All right, we're going to get started here this morning. It's good to have you all here today. So as we prepare to get started, uh, updates in the, the world of updates in the world of the pastor's prayer and uh, mission work. Um, some things to be praying about. Um, I have not seen any information yet out of uh, Annapolis area, so I think we're going on almost two weeks with no shootings in town. Um, so that's, uh, that's an improvement, and we're thankful to the Lord for that. Uh, our numbers are continuing to grow. We seem to really start to be making some real connections and also build up a level of diversity with our pastor's prayer. Again, I remind you all that if, you're, uh, if you have time in the mornings, on Wednesday mornings, love to have you. You don't have to be a pastor or a church officer, just a person interested in praying for the community. Um, this week, uh, we'll be down, I don't remember the name of the park, but whatever that little park is, very at the bottom of Ego Alley off of Main Street, there's a little park right there at the end of the dock. Uh, we'll be down there this week. Um, I know that uh, Marco hasn't uh, stepped back in, but we are trying to invite folks from the Naval Academy in St. John's, if we know them, to who are Christians, to come out and pray with us, since we're going to be right there around the corner. Um, certainly, we want to be praying for all the students that are getting ready to come back to the Naval Academy, come back to St. John's, and uh, all the other universities. We have a pretty healthy contingent from UMBC um, that uh, frequents our ministries and comes to church here, uh, along with, uh, right now, Isaiah. Um, Larson, if you guys are unfamiliar with him, young man sits in the back, brings his friends pretty frequently, and uh, is part of uh, that, that ministry there. And of course, our own kids, as we get ready to ramp up, those are all important, important things. Um, we need to continue to ask God uh, for his blessings. And where, where we do recognize um, the importance for Christian families to have Christian education. Um, that doesn't mean that we neglect or that we should neglect praying for um, our schools. Certainly first um, that they recognize their errors and correct themselves of them, um, repent of their sins. But also for the, the Christians that are in the school system um, trying to minister there, trying to do particularly staff members, certainly um, the, the other students that are there that, that uh, their families don't recognize the, the level of corruption that's there. You know, we, there's a lot to pray for. And I say all that with a, with a level of graciousness because, you know, one of the things, unfortunately, that's in the current culture um, in the church is that, okay, you know, Christian education is optional. But, but in that, I would, I would emphasize to us all, you know, sometimes it's in a place where we say, um, sometimes we don't know. 
um, things. We've all been there where God reveals to us where we're falling short or, or, or struggling. And so I would, I would encourage you, you know, we as a church need to assist families if, if they're struggling to be able to do that and provide that for their, for their kids. Um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll see a little bit of, of uh, you know, in, here today in Psalm 19, the difference between inadvertent sin, those sins that you're unaware of, and high-handed sins uh, where we um, speak, uh, where, where we in our pride um, choose to, to sin against God. Uh, the other thing that I, I would just uh, simply say, we have a Robin Wood Day. That's one of our housing projects here in Annapolis coming up uh, at the end of the month. Um, a number of us from the church are going to go out that day and just the, 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 um, the community board there in Robin Woods asked the churches if they would come in and um, provide just, you know, not just us, but, but they asked us to head it up to uh, be able to uh, um, create a sense of community driven by the church in, in that community. And uh, so I think that uh, it's a great opportunity. If you're interested in coming and helping out a little bit, you can certainly come talk to me and uh, we want to incorporate you. Right now, I would say it's our first go at this uh, in this particular neighborhood. Um, I don't think um, on our first uh, couple of tries we want to say it's family friendly yet, not until we get um, in the groove. Um, but, but of course, part of all that we're doing here is to provide, to build up ministries where wherever we can, we can serve with our children. With that, I just want to encourage you, reach out to our, uh, to our widows, uh, to our um, uh, elderly in our church. Um, you know, sometimes what we do when we think about planning our social time, we, we say, okay, I'm going to invite people simply of like-minded, like ages, like interests. Um, our older folks have a lot to teach us. Uh, and to provide for us. And so as you just have fellowship with them, those opportunities occur. And you might say, I'm speaking to you, to you younger folk, well, I don't know if I, if I like everything that they've done. Well, don't sell yourself short. One, they have experience. They've been sanctified by God. And the truth is, in some cases, they actually recognize some of their shortcomings and they want you to not make those mistakes, right? Um, sometimes it's because they didn't come to know the Lord till later, or perhaps they weren't in churches where it was taught, or perhaps they were just living in rebellion to God. Um, but today they're repentant, right? And they want to share. Um, they, have, they have things to share. Maybe they're reluctant, but you'll never, you'll never encourage them. You'll never be encouraged. Your children won't be encouraged by them if you are not in relationship. So let me encourage you in that reach out, make a phone call, have them over to your house. Um, well, let us uh, prepare to study God's Word. We're going to be studying Psalm 19 today. Um, let us open up with a word of prayer. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you, O Lord, for your great mercies um, that you have extended to us by your grace. Lord, we thank you for giving us, we thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Please grant us wisdom and understanding so that we may live according to your law. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Psalm 19, 
there are three sections. And so I'm going to ask for folks to, uh, somebody to read one through six. Raise your hand, one through six. Who wants to read that? Okay, right there. <clears throat> then I need someone to read seven through ten. All right. And then uh, finally, 11 through 14. Who would like to get that over here? All right. Um, go ahead, Ashley. To the choir master, a song of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. In him he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. <clears throat> they are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sin. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so um, one thing that I'll say, and I, I know I'm the pastor and so I'm supposed to have all this enthusiasm, but I had such a, a uh, just joyous, fun time going through this psalm. It, it brought encouragement to me um, and, and great enthusiasm. Um, so perhaps I'll uh, try to step up my vigor and try to make this fun and interesting. Yes, sir. Uh, this is quoted in the lectionary reading from Romans. Yes. That's, that's pretty cool. Too. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So uh, the three parts. The first one is, is verses 1 through 6, and this is speaking to God's revelation uh, in his material works, those things that he has created. The second section, 7 through 10, tells us that there is even a more glorious revelation of God himself, and it is his law. And the third section uh, is 11 through 14, and it is, uh, you know, what are the bearings of this truth? What, what are the, you know, how does this, uh, you know, what does this mean to us? How, how does it affect us? And how these facts, uh, the, this law, these truths affect us uh, in the personal character of the psalmist and also for all who follow God. Um, and so <clears throat> the first thing that I thought as I was studying and looking at this is there's a little bit of this, we see God in his creation. And uh, even beyond that, there's God's revealed word. And, and I think this is an important contrast. Um, you know, if you're, if you're out there in our world a little bit, perhaps you've heard some of the discussion about natural law, revealed law. 
and God does in fact reveal himself uh, in his creation. Um, the problem is that the typical use of natural law is done uh, by man's evaluation of the world as opposed to God's revelation of himself, his word, right? And so um, I, I just, I just want to make this assessment here. When you hear natural law, it's not necessarily a bad thing as long as natural law is understood to be under God's word and defined by God's word. Okay, and, th and therein lies some of the problem that happens in classical education. I mean, we can go right down here to St. John's, and um, they have a classical liberal arts education, but it is not under subjugation of the Word of God. Okay, I imagine, I know there's probably a few, a few Christians that are professors there. I don't know any, and, and in our pastor's prayer group, because I told you we're talking about we're right down there by the Naval Academy in St. John's this week, and so we're trying to reach out. We've got about 20 ministers in this group, and I, you know, we said, hey, anybody know a Christian professor at St. John's? And none of us know one. Now, that's not to say there aren't any there. Um, I even said, let's be broader than that. What about the staff, um, even the cook? I, I don't care, the janitor. They're serving in those places. If they're Christians, let's invite them, let them know we're praying for them, and we can pray together for those students. So, Marco, if you're available Wednesday at 7, we're going to be praying at that park right down at the end of the docks. There's a, there's a bunch that's there, but I think they're mostly Catholic. Should explain what the <laughs> I don't remember his name, but I think Courtney had a believer uh, for a preceptorial she took. So. Well, if, if you can figure out a contact, uh, we would reach out right away so that they can make time we'd love to have them out there but 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 the point is and i want to warn you that warn you about this just because there are christians who are teaching classical education doesn't mean that they're always applying god's word above the greeks so we just need to call, even for ourselves for you as parents in your education with your your children you want to make sure that god's word is preeminent I don't want to spend much more on that at this time, but I want us to, to consider that. So we see here in verse 1, right? So this is to the chief musician, a psalm of David. Again, it reminds us that uh, the, the Spirit was using King David, and he's, he's, he wrote this psalm, and he's sending it to be sung uh, in the house of the Lord. And it says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Um, and so we see this in Romans 1.20 uh, in particular. Um, and uh, somebody like to read that Romans 1.20 for me? Sword drill time, right? Yes, ma'am, go ahead. So um, this isn't just the thought that's given of um, in the Old Testament. This is still true today. Um, I would encourage you, if you've never read it, um, to read uh, the a book by Rush Dooney. It's fairly short. It's on canon in an audio form if you're interested, called The Mythology of Science. 
Um, today, we live in a world where we take our rationalism not so much from um, deep study of the philosophers, but we still apply it the same way, and we take science, and we turn that into uh, our religion. And so, uh, but, but science um, has to be subjugated, and, and is, but it should in our thinking be subjugated to God's word. And the creation declares that God exists, and he can be understood this way. Um, the word firmament here um, should be <clears throat> probably best understood as heaven. So it, it is talking about uh, both creation itself, but also heaven here. And <clears throat> this tells us that uh, what God can do and has actually done and continues to do. He communicates through what he has created and made. And the immenseness of his creation reveals things about him, right? We, we have educated mathematical guesses about the size of our universe, right? Um, and in that, it's immense. We can never travel it all. We can never go to it all. It's infinite as far as our finiteness is. And yet God created that, and he is beyond all of that. Verse 2 says, Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Um, you know, it's interesting. If you look at this word utters here, it, it, you know, when I think of utter, I, I, you know, not like a cow's utter, but a someone uttering in speech, I, it almost makes me think about muttering, you know, just under your breath or utters. It's just excessive, you know, you, you kind of tune it out. And maybe that's that is in fact what man is doing here. But this word in the Hebrew means to pour out an ever gushing stream. So these these glories that are being declared, it is an ever gushing stream And this is a powerful thing. It actually speaks to the fact, hey, do we stop and look at God's creation? I remember the first time my wife really nailed me down to watch a sunset completely. Uh, unfortunately, it was much later in my life than it probably ought to have been. My wife, if you go through her, well, I know it's been co-opted, but her Facebook <laughs> photos... <laughs> And some of you are laughing because you've seen the crazy person that broke in. And Anyway, but all that to be said, if you look through the history of her photos, you'll see that she just takes sunrises and sunsets pictures all the time. And the first time we did this, we were in Orange Beach. I was out there for a wedding, and my wife's like, just come out here on the porch and watch the sunset. The way the, the, the deck was on this apartment building, we're probably 10, 10 feet up this condo. And it, it had the perfect view of the setting sun. And the sun was large and just watched it move all the way down. And it was, it was an amazing thing when I did that. And it, following that, as I, began, as I continued to travel and do things, I would find myself, I get close to sunset somewhere, and I, there's a, a potential place for a good view. I'd, I'd pull the car over and watch that sunset, recognizing God's wonder, His beauty, his greatness in it. 
Um, and, and here it also says it's, you know, it's, it's, it's day by day and night unto night. He reveals that knowledge. That's God's glory. And here's what. The sun comes up. The sun goes down. We have day. We have night. And it just keeps going. So it is actually a perpetual testimony. It's an unbroken succession. succession. In other words, it just, his glory, these declarations, it's ongoing. Every day, it's ongoing. It never ends. Just like the sun comes up, and the sun goes down, and it'll do it again tomorrow until God closes time, right? His, his glory, his knowledge is declared. Verse 3, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So creation's declaration or declarations translates into all languages of men in every single dialect. Okay, we can kind of see this um, as we continue really verses 3 and 4 really fit together tightly. Excuse me, because it says this, um, their line, so it's, that, it's that, that speech, that voice, right? Their line has gone throughout all the earth and all their words to the end of the earth. In them he, was, he has set a tabernacle for the sun. So here, um, that, their line, that's a measuring line. That is, that is um, what we see in other places in the scriptures um, you know, the plumb line, it is, it is basically the standard, God's standard, okay? It is uh, poured out, and there's no language or dialect um, is exempt from that measuring line, and it has gone out through all the earth. Uh, again, um, it's, it's even speaking with authority, okay? It's speaking with authority here. And there were, and it says, in them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. The sun visits the whole earth, right? Is there anywhere where there's no sun impact by the sun? I know there are times where our earth tilts certain ways, and there are moments where it's dark, and it seems like the sun uh, doesn't shine, but its impacts are still there. It actually covers the whole earth earth and so um, it is you know in the sun itself um, God has set a tabernacle for the sun it's a sacred tent that he's put it in yes sir I wanted to set the record straight I got carried away reading the lectionary uh, reading we read past the boundary so it's Romans 10 18 uh, is where verse 4 of Psalm 19 here is quoted so it was not in the lectionary reading but it directly quotes uh, uh, 19.4. Um, and then, that, that was one thing, I just wanted to set that straight. But then uh, I was also going to ask, uh, so James Jordan's pretty big on, I forget the guy from the turn of the century who pushed uh, the idea that uh, the Zodiac was in fact uh, what's being spoken about here. And then so he would reference also in Job, where it talks about God leading out the Pleiades on a, a steel chain, and uh, then um, in uh, Job 38.7, it talks about the sons of morning, the the stars, uh, and, and they seem to be in parallel, the same item, uh, rejoicing as God created the world, and then, of course, 
Christ's coming was foretold with speech from a star, uh, but that that uh, astrology as it was in the old old time is since gone. There's no understanding of how to do it rightly, so now it would be a sinful and, and, and wrong thing to do, but that in fact uh, there was a uh, book of nature foretelling a, a shadowy version of the gospel in the stars prior to Christ's coming. Yeah, how do you, how do you, do you, do you buy into that? Uh, I know that's one of his weirder stances, but... Uh, so, um, I tend to think yes. Okay. Um, you know, I would also say that I've heard Dr. D. James Kennedy teach on this very same thing. Um, that's the first time I was ever introduced to it, and I probably heard him talking about that. Dr. D. James Kennedy. How many guys have heard of Dr. D. James Kennedy? All the older people, mostly. Um, so uh, he was a PCA guy. Um, he wrote uh, Evangelism Explosion, but but definitely a, a guy um, very solid. I kind of the two Presbyterian guys I used to listen to uh, when I was in the assemblies was R.C. Sproul and Dr. D. James Kennedy because they were so solid. And how could you even argue with what they're saying? Which is you know again part of what God used to, to bring me along to a reformed faith. Um, so I, I, I tend to, to think of that, I think, too, that um, where, where we have God's revealed law, I think there is uh, more clarity. It kind of deals with the fact of, of astrology. And certainly we can see astrology being corrupted um, in, in the Old Testament in many places. And, and yet we know that Daniel considered one of the three most holy men in, in Scripture, outside of Christ, of course, um, is chief of who? The astrologers. The astrologers, right? So there was a recognition to that. But what did Daniel do? He always took it to the Lord and made sure that he was subservient to God and his law. So I, I, I kind of lean in that. By the way, I'm glad you brought that up about it being Romans 10.18 because in this part of my notes i have romans ten eighteen down here and i thought when i first saw it i thought well i'm not going to mention that because he's saying something did i write something down incorrectly um <clears throat> but uh someone read uh well just we can just do this for time's sake we can just say that we know that romans ten eighteen just validates that these teachings um carry into the new testament let's go on to verse five um so so the sun comes out every day it says this which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man ready to run his race. A man to run his race. And so I was thinking about this. There was this contrast in my head as I was looking at this. Okay, uh, a bridegroom who knows it's the day he's getting married. He's joyful. He's vigorous. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Right? Um, I think most of you know that I like to talk. Um, my three groomsmen, we shared... Uh, a, a hotel room the night before my wedding and uh, I don't know what time it was in the middle of the night one of my groomsmen just yelled up shut up Dan stop talking you know I'm all just <laughs> um, <clears throat> but but you know there there is God's God's glory his revelation his speech his truth his straight line Right, it, it comes out and it teaches us like a joyful groom, and it's 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 vigorous and and cheerful after the darkness, right? 
Um, I always found when I was doing a lot of driving at night that the last 15 minutes for some reason, it didn't matter what time of the year, but the last 15 minutes before the sun starts coming up was always the hardest to stay awake. But yet, as soon as you get that little sliver of break, all of a sudden your body revives. Your body revives. And so, uh, again, we see that, that this bridegroom um, or a strong man rejoices, right? Even in the present. Like, just, you know, there's all this hopefulness built into it. Um, and I just I bring that up because God's law isn't simply about crushing us. There's hope. There's life in God's law. Uh, verse 6, it is ri- it's rising from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. So the entire habitable world is impacted by the sun again. We see this. And it says, you know, from start to finish. And then it returns again to the start and goes again. So God teaches us and instructs us in this way through his mighty creation. We see this transition now in verse 7. The law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. So the same God who um, invisibly and without any help created the world is the author also of the spiritual law or the eternal law. So... um, you know, th- this, is, this is important because this is truth against iniquity, right? He brings his truth to expose iniquity. And what happens is we see that over the next few verses, okay, we see that there are moral effects, of God's law. Verse 8, the statutes of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. So a statute, just because, you know, you see all these words, especially, you know, you read through the Psalms, you read through Psalm 119, there are all these different words used for God's law. A statute is like a charge or a commission as compared to a commandment which is a prescription or a directive. So, so one is uh, more given as, um, you know, it's sort of like taking dominion, right? That's a charge. That's a commission for us to do. And a commandment, so you have this large, broad thing in a statute, and then a commandment is, is, is a prescription or direction. It's much more defined in the the, the how-to part, although as we know, if you look at the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words and you read them in Exodus 20, we get over to Deuteronomy and there's, I don't know, 20-some chapters of a sermon given on what all those things mean and how they work out in our lives, right? Um, but there, there's a little bit of a difference here, and we see that um, God's statutes, His commissions are right. They're rejoicing in the heart. Um, I think we can see that in last week's sermon about marriage and the things we're to be doing in marriage. This week we'll see that very same kind of concept come through as we look at uh, biblical parenting. And, and so um, 
it is it is a wonderful it is a wonderful thing and it causes rejoicing you know when we push back against god's design and his statutes these these broader things when we push back against all that there's not rejoicing we're under duress and of course yahweh's commandment is pure and and enlightens us pure because it has no taint of iniquity or injustice you see when god says something it's it's always just there's no there's no chance, no hint, no, no possible way that it's not just. So when we look at what he says, and we think, that doesn't seem like justice to me, right? Um, we're approaching it incorrectly. I mean, it's possible that we don't understand it, but that's not usually the issue. The issue is usually our heart and what we believe to be just. Verse 9, the fear of Yahweh is clean, Enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true and righteous altogether. So the fear of Yahweh is clean. Right? A lot of times we, we consider fear to be a negative, right? We know though that the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. Right? So it it, it is clean, it is good, and it endures forever. And the fear of Yahweh is a perpetual, when you think about enduring, it's a perpetual obligation, right? Um, you know, we know that the law teaches us to fear God. We see that in Deuteronomy 17 and in Psalm 34. And as far as his judgments are true and righteous, he is consistent and never changes. Yes? Uh, sorry, no. Okay. I was just going to say on... on uh, uh, you know, his judgments are true and righteous, you know, that he's, he's consistent and he never changes. This is really important. There are some people who try to take the Bible and says, you know, there's the God of the Old Testament and there's the God of the New Testament. It is one God and he is consistent all the way through from creation to the close of time. Yes, sir. I was just waiting until you covered enough of the ground. Uh, something that has always struck me, I don't think I've ever seen this in any commentaries, Starting in verse uh, well, 4, I guess, when it talks about the son and then the bridegroom, uh, and then it also calls the son and the bridegroom the strong man. Samson's name meant son or uh, child of the son. And uh, the, uh, he was the, in his in, enraged uh, state as the bridegroom of a woman he never should have been marrying in the first place. Uh, that's how he started animosity between him and the Philistines, and it says that God used that um, uh, to to kick off the feud, the blood feud between him and the Philistines. And um, then uh, then the mention of the honeycomb, which features very prominently in in uh, Samson's uh, story, and then also the fact that uh, Christ, who is the Son of Righteousness, with uh, rising with healing in in his wings also calls himself the bridegroom, and also when he, he's accused of being uh, uh, Satan or on the, doing the bidding of Satan, Satan he, he talks about, no, uh, if you want to bind a strong man, first what do you do? You, you, uh, you, or if, if you want to rob the strong man, first you bind him. And so there's all these references to you know, Christ being the greater strong man who's going to uh, and he's also the, the son of righteousness. So I feel like there's something 
Samsonite-ish going on in here, but I, I don't fully understand it, but it's also clearly Christological as well. But anyway, yeah, just well, there's I'm, something there. I just don't know exactly what. No, I, I see I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, now you're going to make me go look up some stuff yeah. this week and, and <laughs> ponder that a little bit. Um I th- I think that I agree with you. I I haven't seen that in in commentaries either. But but even like what I'm doing here, you know, you feel like there's so many things and sometimes you kind of cut down because otherwise people go like you have 40 pages on Psalm 19. Are you crazy? Um <clears throat> but but I do I do agree with you. Um you know that that uh I just want to circle into what he said here just mentioning two things or respond with two things. Remember when we have a tendency to hear phrases like "and God used that," as if God is reacting in the after part, instead of recognizing when we hear a phrase like that to understand that was God's providential plan, right? Um, and and we struggle a little bit with that. But here's what we have to remember: that the Philistines, you know, they're they're coming. They're, they're a derivative, uh, a tribe out of Egypt. And the, the whole conflict is, um, you know, you can take Israel out of Egypt, but can you get Egypt out of Israel? And this is what God is doing and continuing to do. And what does he do? How does God translate all of this? So the, 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 the struggle becomes much more clear in the text of Scripture historically as you go along. And who brings deliverance against the Philistines, and, and, and there's, it becomes no longer a battle with Egypt. David. Well, Saul first. Saul, Saul does it. Well, Saul, right. Saul starts it, but he can't complete it. He's like, the, it's always the comparison of the first son fails, the second son triumphs. That's a theme you need to see throughout the scriptures. <laughs> well, well, look, the first son's not oh, even yeah, here. You win by default. <laughs> All by God's grace and providences, right? Um, but, but I, but I, but I want to just—I want us to understand. Um, there's always these things with which to consider to look at the narrative. How God is constantly teaching us His gospel message, right? We again, we seem to see. In part because we, we can't study it all at one, in one shot. And oftentimes, if I can be truthful, where does a lot of your knowledge come from? Excuse me. If you grew up in the church, your, your Bible narrative comes from Sunday school class, largely. Hopefully in your homes today, you're working that a little more, right? You want to help them have a broader understanding. So what do you get? All these little chops and pieces that don't have an appearance of being a single message in a story. Right? So I want to encourage you. Study it yourself. Teach and catechize your children. You want them to know uh, the you know, principles and doctrines. But help them understand the story, the narrative of God's Word. It is one story from the first breath of God at creation all the way to the very end. One story, one message, one failure of man, and one truth, how God sends himself, his son, to take on our sin for the deliverance and redemption of men, right? And that we've got, and so yeah, 
that's, that's what makes this fun. I was hoping we'd get through this completely this week. Uh, next week, I'll be uh, out of town, and so we have a, another minister, and Horace will be teaching. I want Horace to go ahead and, and teach uh, Psalm 20, and I'll come back and do the second half of uh, 19. But, but this is, these are actually, that's what I like about this. Let's talk, let's interact with the passage, but then, you know, we, we, we want to grow and be drawn in uh, to understanding God's word better and better. Yes, sir. We have 10 real quick. We're two minutes over, so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, remember, two parents, uh, you know, know where your kids are and what's happening with them um, after Sunday school. Well, let us pray together. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your great and mighty kindness that's upon us. We thank you that you have revealed yourself in your creation. We thank you for the, the, the revelation of your word and how you are faithful and true and just, and you are also gracious and our deliverer. Please prepare our hearts for worship and the renewal of your covenant promises with us. In Jesus' name, amen.